I'm Kyle Sparrow, the eagle of the New England Free Jacks, and you're listening to the Jacks Rangers. Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I am broadcasting from beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire, here at the new Granite Outpost. All the Rangers out there need to be thanking their lucky stars with the Free Jacks win against the Dallas Jackals. Definitely dodged a bullet there at Fort Quincy for sure. Welcome to episode 71. We are calling this one, Come Out to Play! As we play the Utah Warriors in Utah this Friday, in this episode, we spoke with the hometown hero, the future mayor of Haverhill, Massachusetts, the Free Jacks' own loose forward, Cam Davidowitz. Also, Dave and myself went over the Dallas review and also the Utah preview. So without further ado, let's jump right into this episode 71. Hit that theme music, baby. Woo! Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I am joined with Bozo6, and we've got a very, very special guest this time around. He is the hometown hero. He is Cam Davidowitz. Cam, how the hell are you? Good. How you doing? Fine. Not too bad, my friend. Not too bad. Bozo, good to see you as always. I know you were sick over the weekend. How yeah, I'm back from the dead. You know, just lost a casual 10 pounds in like 36 hours. No big deal, you know? But I'm hey, good. I'm bouncing back. Could always lose some extra weight, though. Exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. And you know what, though? I'm immediately putting it back. Now that I'm good, I scarf some Popeyes today, and I'm back in the saddle. Let's go. Get a couple IPAs in you. Uh, oh, no. I'm actually going with the Allagash White tonight. Sorry. Not a sponsor of the show. but Not a sponsor. Hashtag not a sponsor. Uh, Cam, tell us where you're from. I think uh, most people know this story nowadays, but for those that don't, give us uh, the rundown. Uh, I'm from Haverhill, Mass, uh, north of Boston. Grew up on my family farm there. I've been there my whole life, actually. So, been a uh, Mass native forever now. That's Going awesome. Strong. Love it. Uh, my girlfriend, when we first started dating, was living in Haverhill, and I, you know, I was like, I don't want to go to across the, the Massachusetts border all the time. So we finally got her up in uh, the great state of New Hampshire, where Bozo and I live. Um, tell tell us about Haverhill a little bit. I mean, I know that Rob Zombie is from there. Uh, do you yeah. know Rob, or do you know someone that knows Mister Zombie? Nah, my uncle went to school with him way back, really? way back when. Yeah, so wow. uh, he knows of him, but I'm actually a big fan of Rob Zombie too. So me, me makes too, some good man. Music, yeah, Dragula, yeah. great, Pretty great good. pregame song. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Pretty good director um, as well. Very good artist. Not a lot of people know yeah. that, but he's a great artist as well. Yeah, he is. Um, Haverhill, yeah, prehistoric city. To be honest, uh, a lot of stuff went down. The Shoe City, they call it. So a lot going on there. Macy's Day Parade started there. Fun fact. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Did not yeah. Know so that's that's some cool history. I mean, way back when I think it was like nineteen early early nineteen hundreds. But uh, so it's been going on for a while. But um, pretty pretty decent sized town. It takes me to rail into Boston all the time. Come down here. But good good city overall. I'm from North Carolina, for those that don't know. I'm sure I've said that a million times on the show before. But Ric Flair is a huge, huge phenomenon in the state of North Carolina. When he was wrestling back in the day, people would always say that he could win the governor's race no problem with, like, no political, like, insight whatsoever. He would just win just based on popularity. Do you think you could uh, be the mayor of uh, Haverhill right now? 
<laughs> it's a possibility. <laughs> you might get that in action, huh? Yeah, man, good, for sure. Good retirement plan for uh, rugby. Absolutely. I'll volunteer. Immediately into Haverhill's youngest mayor. Yeah, that would be yeah. sick. Yeah. That would yeah. be pretty awesome. good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on when you retire. If you go to like 45, which is I'm sure the plan next time yeah. you're like the Tom Brady of the free jacks here. <laughs> go, my <laughs> avocado ice cream is pretty good. <laughs> no, yeah. no avocado ice cream for me. <laughs> uh, what is your origin story with rugby? Tell us that story. I started back in high school when I was a freshman at Woody Tech. We actually didn't have a team, but um, there was a local club team and a bunch of my brother was a senior back then. I was a freshman and he had a bunch of friends that played. He didn't play himself until college, but they kind of forced me out, I'd say, to play because they needed some numbers and then just picked it up right away. I played football in the fall and rugby was in the spring. Aren't you glad that they forced you to uh, play rugby? That that worked out pretty well. It worked out pretty well. Yeah, I'd say. Fell in love with it right away. It was good. That's great, man. Uh, so I didn't find it. In, well, I found it at later in high school years. I actually started my intramural team, if you will, in high school. And then, you know, of course, went to University of South Carolina and played there. And, you know, Bozo, you know, was uh, an alumni of your uh, uh, Plymouth State as well. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, yeah. tell us about the family business. Tell us about the farm. Like, what is the acreage? What do you guys do there? Tell us about that. Um, yeah, family farm. I'm the fourth generation, actually, now. And then um, so we've been going for quite a bit. We uh, run about almost 800 acres compared because we run around to other farms we own uh 400 acres we own and then we farm up to 800 and so we run around do a lot of custom work for other farms that like can't do the work themselves hmm. like chopping their corn we might raise some cows for them and then bring them back because huh. me and my brother also uh started our local beef we sell at our farm stand okay. so that's pretty good um we just started getting that going in business about like three years ago that's so cool. that's up and coming yeah so me and him have a we have about 100 head of cattle that we that we raise up now Wow. So is there like a website where people can buy this stuff from? Like if the fans want yeah. to help out? There is a website, Crescent Farms. Um, you can go there, but it's just our contact information. You can get our email, our cell phone number there. So we sell it at our farm stand right now only. And okay. where we have like a corn maze, uh, ice cream, all that pick your own pumpkins, pet and zoo. That is so that's awesome. Popular. Yeah. So this is a, like you guys like do this is like seasonally seasonal stuff there. Like in the fall, there's like a corn maze. Yeah. That's yeah, in the fall, it's the big season. Um, that's when we do the picking on pumpkins, the corn maze, obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hay rides, all that. We used to have a haunted hay ride. We thought about getting it going again. It was actually a lot of fun to do. That sounds um, like a blast. Yeah, yeah, so we do all that. That's easy. We sell beef year-round, obviously, and then um, farming in the other half. Very it's not cool. winter. Love that. Uh, I believe that farm strength is real. Have you ever used that as an excuse to avoid lifting for the the free jacks there at the mint? You'd be like, I've already got my work in over the weekend. I was, you know, lifting hay bales and stuff. You ever done that? Nah, nah, I don't think that's an excuse I can use. I'd like to, but nah, I don't mind working out and seeing some of these foreigners. You always have to uh, stay up to par with them. They're all coming from farms as well. So absolutely for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about. Have you ever seen the movie Son-in-Law, uh, starring Paulie Shore? You ever seen that movie? Is that um? Yeah, with the guy with the long hair when he drives the yes. case tractor and he puts the yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So I was thinking, I love it's that movie. It's like a fish out of a water story where this guy from California, yeah. you know, goes with his friend to their her farm on in like Nebraska or whatever. So he's just like trying to do the farm work and, uh, you know, hilarity ensues. So I was thinking it would be great content to take all the outriders from the show out to your farm and give us a full work day. What do you think about how'd that work out? Do you think it would be OK? Uh, I think that'd be awesome. Get some good laughs in. And I'll never say no to free labor. So <laughs> we'll see how you do. 
Yeah, for sure. Speaking I'm not of that, free. I cost a couple of Bud Lights. Just yeah, two. Just two. They're, they're always going around up there. You'll be right, good. Nice. Love it. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, let's talk about like for that scenario, who would you want from the Free Jack squad to actually come out and help you on the farm? And who are you bringing? And then what jobs are they going to do? Like delegate them for their individual task. Who, who do you think you'd bring? Who? Um, Hensy. Uh, Hence yep. is pretty good, Joel Hence. Um, he's pretty hands-on. He does a lot of farming stuff down in New Zealand, a lot of hunting. So I think he'd be uh, pretty good with the animals. So I'd put mm -hmm. him on the animal, like taking care of the animals, or that crew. Yep. And then we already have a couple guys that work over the summers and stuff like that, push shifts in when they can. The bald eagle's up there all the time. Mitch Wilson's been there a few times. Holden. Oh, cool. So yeah. uh, they're up there splitting wood. They're loving that. Uh, who else would I pick? Who would be a good one? I'd probably pick someone that isn't used to labor. Who would be back? Uh, uh, think like... <laughs> Let's think about this for a second. I'm doing like Zach Bastris. I'm picking yeah, Zach Bastris. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yep, one. one of the pretty boys for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Love that. Last season, you won the Fans Player of the Year. Your family brings a bus full of fans to each home game. What does that support mean to you? Oh, it means the world. I mean, honestly, they've uh, supported me since high school. The bus has been a tradition since high school. Wow. They used to, okay. Yeah. He used to start renting them up, renting them, and then he ended up buying a bus for us in college. That he'd come out and then he donated that bus to the rugby team mm -hmm. when he ended up getting another bus to buy another one. So we had our own bus that we go to traveling. He'd still bring his. So they come. I mean, it just shows the sport I've got throughout the years. They fill it up if it's 30 people every game, and then more people are tagging along in their own cars and trucks. It's pretty cool, man. I, that, that's one of those things. Like, it's so good to have these hometown, homegrown players because, you know, they bring a community to the games to support you. I think it's awesome. I love how the bus has, like, the logos of all the teams that you've played for. That is yeah. so sick, man. I, I think that's awesome. Um, yep. Let's uh, – so, you know, when you won the Fans Award, uh, that accompanied – that came with some scotch. Did you get through all of that? I mean, how quickly did that disappear? No. <laughs> no, I actually didn't get through all of it. Just uh, bring it up for like holidays and stuff and uh, do a couple sips with my uh, family because nice. not the biggest scotch guy, but it is pretty strong. Yeah, but definitely you need a uh, definitely needs to be your suit of alcohol if you want to drink it often. Heck yeah. Let me see here. Oh my gosh. David, it was Fury Road. Hilarious. Yeah. Love that. Uh, okay. So the last question for me or second to last, what is something that people would be surprised to know about you? Um, spend a lot of time on the ocean, I guess I'd say, uh, we really? have a fishing boat. Okay. Yep. Do a lot of tuna fishing. I'm actually scuba certified too. So that's like my new favorite hobby I've been doing, going for lobsters and mass. And turf, I know, love it. yeah, it's one of my favorite things going down there under the water. It's the most peaceful thing in the world. Even though I think like I'm most terrified of sharks. I just kind of forget about them when I'm down there. For sure. Just wow, searching awesome. for lobsters. It's pretty good. That's very cool. I love He's that. He's a dual man. threat. Dual threat. Yeah. yeah. He's got, he's got you on land and sea. Yeah. Uh, final question for me here, Cam. Who has the best hair on the team? Is it you or the Eagle? Ah, oh, it's me. I have way more character. <laughs> I have way more character in my hair. I, I got the curls. It. I got the curls and all that. Wow. Kind of just out on the boat. <laughs> wow. I love it, man. The, the Rugby it. Network, if you're watching, clip that. Yeah, somebody needs to get yeah, that into a video. For clip sure. That. Get this into a video right now. I love the confidence, man. You said that immediately. There was no hesitation. <laughs> <laughs> you got to back like, yourself. 
Yeah. When I was in the stands, I was uh, hanging out with uh, the Mystic guys, Bubs and uh, Buzzy, and they were. I was watching the game. I was like, "Oh shit! Oh, what an awesome tackle from uh, you know by uh, Cam!" And they're like, "No, no, no! That was the Eagle." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to tell you guys apart." I apologize. Obviously, he's a little bit you know huskier (laughs) than you are, but I was just watching the hair. That's what I. That's what I was able to see. So no, we've been mixed up a few times for sure. Yeah. All right. I'll let uh, Bozo take over. Thank you. What's going on, Cam? Nice to see you again, brother. Plymouth F and state. Let's go. Let's go. So I wanted to kind of rewind the tape um, a little bit. Uh, a lot of the American based players they are playing in, in the ARP and I know you've been, you've played the ARP for a couple of seasons, but it was different this last one with the addition of like the NOLA. And I think it's like 404 for ATL. Yeah. And I think maybe one other team, uh, because those regions didn't really have like a team in the art before, you know, how, how has that been? And like, how, how has the competition level changed? Cause like guys like you, the Eagle and, and the vampire playing on mystic, like what's the art been like this last season? Oh, uh, the competition has been way better through the past two or three years. I'd say from the MLR coming down, just everyone that stays local stays around. That's able mm-hmm. to play with those local teams like mystic and all that. Nyack. Um, it was obviously good. We saw a lot more competitive and it had more teams. Like you said, added Houston, added NOLA, and then two teams from uh, Atlanta. But the only unfortunate part, we didn't get over it to play the South because we didn't make it to the playoffs. Mystic fell short this year. But uh, from what I know, it brings a good competition and you can just see it coming through the ranks. Everyone that's on, like the guys training with us from Mystic that just part time just helps. Yeah, and keeping everybody sharp, I'm sure. And you got you to keep playing to stay sharp. So we already touched on that your family has a bus, and it's obviously a pretty famous thing. But can you tell the listeners about the puppy bus? You alluded to it earlier, but it's called the puppy bus, and they need to hear uh, the story. It is the puppy bus. Um, we um, came from my dad's friend's friend, and they owned a mobile dog grooming company, actually. So the whole outside of the bus is actually like, says like puppy paws on it it says all dogs around it's bright purple all this it's pretty funny and it was used to go around pick up dogs groom them drop them off and we ended up grabbing it he got it cheap bought it and uh we actually took all there was no seats in it luckily except like there's probably three on the side and we ended up putting Mm -hmm. l sectional in the whole back of the bus and a table in the middle so all the away games we're playing cards in the back sitting on the sofa (laughs) cruising to the games make a rookie drive on the way down (laughs) <laughs> nice nice yeah I, I remember the first season as an alumni and walking into so a lot of nicknames here sorry if the listeners might not get it but walking up to i think what you guys called it like the palace or whatever where you palace. guys stayed their group house of the players yeah. yeah and it's like there's this giant bus with a dog on it and i'm like what in the is this thing and then it's like all the alumni were just like scratching our head They're like yeah like the team has a bus now and i'm thinking it's just some crappy like sprinter van and it's like literally it's like a yellow school bus painted over uh awesome awesome bus all right yeah, awesome. is, it still, is it still around it's off the farm but it's uh in retirement now just parts all right parts vehicle. all right all right well r.i.p nothing all yeah. good things must come to an end right all good things come to an end but they they were fun while they lasted yeah. So when I linked up with you at media day, uh, you said you were, you had finally, you moved down into like team housing. So how's that been going? Yeah. Oh, it's been awesome. It's uh, saving my commute every day, which was over an hour, about an hour traffic, hour and a half from Haverhill. So that's yeah. saving my commute. And it's just awesome to be around all the guys all the time, 
build better connections, being able to do stuff on our off days instead of not spending the hour to drive in, you know, they actually go out, use all the recovery facilities and all that. So it's actually been way better than I expected. It's been nice. Yeah. Did the team tell you like, like request that you do that? Or were you like, how'd that come about? Or were you just like, Hey, I want to move down, put me in. <laughs> no, they gave me the option. I think I was going to ask to come down anyways, but he, TK already reached out and he's like, yeah, you got the option to move down. If you want, just let me know. We can figure out housing. And I was like, yeah, definitely. I want to try it out this season come down yeah, especially so, in the city for the first time yeah i mean i i'm not from haverhill obviously but i've driven i've driven around that area a long time i used to work in the in the area and it's like if there was no traffic it wouldn't be a problem to get to get no. to quincy at all but it's like it just doesn't exist unless you're driving at like 2 a.m yeah, going through the like, tunnels a nightmare oh, yeah and it's cool. like even when you go in the middle of the night, that's when they're working on anything. So somehow you're still like slowing down. So it's just like the most frustrating thing ever. So, so anyway, so the back row this year, it's been, it's a pretty competitive position where like the team, the team is stacked. Um, you've navigated, you've started a couple of games, um, scored a couple tries. How has that competition been for you this year? Uh, it's been awesome. It's definitely been a push for everyone. I think in the back rows, which is what we want, what we need. Always fighting for that spot. Everyone's coming in and out. Sorry. Everyone's Sorry. fighting for that position. But uh, in the end, it just helps everyone, having the better skilled guys around you, people that played at some really high levels. You know, like we got Jesse back. He's played in super rugby. So seven some guys that you can learn under, still progressing through, and then just trying to get the edge over the next person, I guess, to get that starting spot or be on that roster. Yeah. I mean, obviously being a pro, you're at the, the top level of rugby and a lot of the players are like just, you know, physical specimens and stuff, but Jesse just looks like a beast to like tackle. And just on a yeah. personal, I just, this, this question just came to me, like how hard is he to tackle, man? Cause he looks like he just swats people away. He is. He's just kind of like chaotic in what he does. So like, you never know if he's going to pass, go around you, pass me on your back or try to run through you. So he's always, uh, he's up to something. So he, he always like trying to figure out what he's doing and he might just beat you the next way. So it's pretty tough. Yeah. Dang. That's, that's the, and not, I don't envy you, man. I'm glad I've been long in retirement and never would have made it to that level anyway. So better you than me, I guess for that one. Um, and then speaking of like forwards and, and the competition for the first time, the free Jacks have a dedicated uh, forwards coach, Will Webster. How has it been working with him? Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure. He's been a, uh, He's been awesome. I think he's really helped the team out this season. I mean, with the forwards just focusing on us all the time, which is good. But I think we needed a bit. And uh, he's been really good. Learned a lot under him so far and just helping me progress a lot, especially in the lineouts. He knows uh, he knows a lot of knowledge in the uh, lineouts. So he's been really good in that, good in that aspect. Yeah, we speaking of lineups as fans, we've been happy to see that been been sharpening up the last couple of weeks. We 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 were on some frustration levels there, but hey, sometimes it's just not your day in the lineups, and just the other team either has your number or you're just misfiring. It, it happens, uh, but but glad to see that that's been sharpened up. Um, this next question, kind of a, a, a linking, like hardcore Free Jacks fans that will follow everything Free Jacks and and even extracurricular Free Jacks activities. When are you going to be? a guest in the Dorchester room and eat dinner there. When are they having you over? I, man, I, uh, I've gotten the invite, but I guess it got lost in the mail, I guess. Cause they said they sent it, <laughs> but wow. they keep telling me. Yeah. Right. Sounds, That's like what us, I'm huh? Sounds like us. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see when that time comes. I uh, hopefully soon. They look like they make some pretty good meals over there. Yeah. I think they're going for like a Michelin star. It looks like. 
Yeah, yeah, those are those are on their way. Those Canadians can chef up over. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, let me tell you though, on the decor, not not great. I sent them coasters. I'm helping them out. I'm helping them out. Yeah, I saw that. That was good. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. good. Candidate coasters, loving it. Um, That's awesome. So. I guess my, my last question, and this one is, uh, again, bring our mutual link of Plymouth State, but which teammate or maybe a couple would you have had like, would have had like the best time as a Plymouth State rugger? Like who would have just been like living it up and just loving, loving the lifestyle up there? Uh, I'd put Holden up there. Holden Ooh. Younger, he would definitely like it, to be honest. I could see him out there. Um, okay. And then another one I would go with, is I think like Connor Young. Okay. You'd nice. you'd enjoy it up there as well. And then I right. uh, Slade. Slade. <laughs> Slade. Okay. Uh, uh, those three, who's grabbing who's yeah. grabbing the mic after this? Who's grabbing the mic? Slade. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Slade. Nice. He's grabbing the <laughs> mic at the drink up. Love it. Yeah. All right, man. That's it for me. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Thank you. Cam, just before we get you out of here, I wanted you to we're going to open up the floor a little bit here and let you speak directly to the Rangers, the Free Jacks fans. What message do you have for them? Um, just keep watching us this season. Let's see where we take it, and hopefully we can do some big things um, and hopefully upgrade from last year. Keep taking it to the next step. Hell yeah, Stay I tuned. love that. Love that. All right, and with that being said, I've got one word for everybody out there. Cam, please join in. And three – Two, one, huzzah. huzzah! Woo! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I am joined with Diamond Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? I'm doing pretty well, Phil. I got my uh, Indigenous Warriors rugby kit nice. came in the mail just today. Look at that! You're watching the video, you can see it's got a sweet badge. They're like a uh, team that formed up in the Navajo Nation down around Gallup. Uh, New Mexico, and they play, nice. actually played against the Australian uh, Indigenous Warriors. Uh, uh, sorry, Australian Aboriginal rugby team that was on mm-hmm. tour, and they sold some merch to raise money. That's I cool. Said, man. That is a sick hoodie. I am gonna buy it. So made my that day when this fantastic. came. How are you doing, Phil? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. You know, super happy with the Free Jacks actually winning that game against Dallas. It was pretty close. You know, you, uh, kind of lucky to get away uh, with not losing that game there at Fort Quincy. But we'll get a little bit further into that here <laughs> in a moment. I wanted to talk about the weather first. Um, it was a bit chilly uh, and, you know, not ideal weather. But, of course, it was typical of New England weather in March. It's a bit wet, a bit chilly. Attendance certainly seemed to be affected by the weather. But as our yeah. guy Wes was saying... You've got everything that you would need here in terms of the venue, in terms of the organization has done a fantastic job with the fan experience within Fort Quincy, but they just can't control the weather. So hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, moving out of the month of March into April with the home games, hoping for some better weather at Fort Quincy so we can get larger crowds there. What was your overall impressions of the uh, flannel disco? Festival. Yeah, uh, Booty Vortex, the band, they ripped. They were. They great. did a fantastic job. It yeah, was, you know, I uh, Wes made the really good point when we were talking to him that like, you know, we need we the fans want good weather, not just for ourselves, mm-hmm. but um, you know, so that the 
the team is selling tickets and doing well financially. You know, good mm-hmm. weather. Yes. Uh, there are a lot of fair weather fans, people who will come when the weather's good and won't when it's not. No and, doubt. And, uh, you know, there's nothing you can do about it, but we can we can hope for better weather, weather in the future for mm-hmm. more pleasurable uh, viewing and more butts in seats. For sure. Um, yeah, the band was good. Uh, I thought it was a solid theme. Kind of bummer this one got a little bit rained out and wasn't yeah. as much of a party because I think it would have been pretty groovy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, agree. But we had a good time. I, my, my whole family was there once again. Um, we headed over to the Rugby Explorers uh, kids area, and I thought it was pretty fantastic that John Poland was teaching kids how to pass like John Poland. That was how pretty about neat. that? Yeah. JP running the passing booth. Um, Olivia from Beantown Rugby was there painting faces again. She painted Cora's face like Woody. It was amazing. I posted nice. a picture of the fan group. And then we went and got a picture with Woody. So she's got the like white tape strip on her forehead, the yellow nose, the blue fur. It was great. It was a good party. Uh, my kids were troopers as well. They really, they really hung tough. They were fine with awesome. the weather. So we had a, we had a great time. Good. Yeah. I had my Afro on and my flannel yeah. on. I felt good about it. I really uh, like the theme ha- of this one. Yeah, go ahead. We have to mention Kenny. Mm-hmm. We uh, Maybe you were of going course. to, but we can't not mention the incredible costume that Kenny had. Always does a fantastic job with his outfits. Of course, Barb had a wig on as well. It looked fantastic. Yep. But uh, Kenny had the, uh, like, the, I don't know, it wasn't quite a mullet, but it was just like a very, very 70s wig on. And of course, yeah. he uh, he did a, a little fill impersonation there with yep. the mustache for sure. And it looked really good, actually. I genuinely didn't recognize him at first. <laughs> that was how good his costume was. And yeah. I recognized Barb. Like, I was like, oh, there's Barb. I don't yep. see Kenny. And then yep. about five seconds later, oh, my God, that man standing next to her is Kenny in <laughs> a flowing wig, a huge master of disguise. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. I'm, I'm guessing that we're not live on Facebook right now because Bozo's checking in Ooh, checking from, from YouTube. YouTube. The um, yeah, the, the 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 issues with the live stream not connecting to Facebook may be continuing, hmm. unfortunately, but uh, let's hope that that is not the case. I just wanted to say that Caitlin danced up a storm uh, to Bo- Booty Vortex. Uh, you know, she really had a great time with that. Music was fantastic. I'm not going to lie. You know, it's not really my type of music, but they were playing all the hits yeah. from that era, so it's it's hard not to shake your rump i guess uh if you're into that sort of thing uh really enjoyed the company of our dallas correspondent rick collins and his girlfriend cat who flew in like an hour before the game got to fort quincy through an uber from the airport and they just had a blast i think he had mentioned that we were really um really uh, very welcoming and you know he had went to Chicago the week prior and he was just praising us for how excellent you know Fort Quincy is and you know how nice the fans are and all that sort of stuff so just really appreciate everybody welcoming them all the way from Dallas and uh, you know he almost got almost could celebrate a win there but not quite can you imagine how elated he would have been Mm -hmm. and probably really laid back about it as well just yes how he seemed when we when I met him uh, but oh, what a, what an experience that would have been for him if mm-hmm. they had pulled out that win to be on the road to see their first win. He would have been so happy he came. Talk I'll about a what. justified plane yeah. ticket, you know, oh, yeah, feeling yeah, yeah. real good about making that purchase. For sure, for sure. I'm hoping that they get their first win at home against Toronto. That would help us out tremendously as yeah, well. I, so I think they're going to get picked by a lot of pundits this week after mm-hmm. the game against New England. Agreed. Yeah. And well-deserved too. I mean, we'll get more into that here in a moment, but uh, they played pretty dang well. I mean, you, everybody can say, you know, if you're a glass half full or half 
empty type of guy. Either the Free Jacks didn't play well or Dallas played well. It's somewhere probably in between. But uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Brian Ray of America's Rugby News was also in attendance. Uh, I got a photo with him. He had his big camera out snapping some pics uh, throughout the game. Just what a pleasure to have him there. And a guy like that who is widely regarded as the best MLR pundit out there really knows his stuff for a guy that, you know, isn't from this area is a Toronto supporter lives in Nova Scotia for him to be like, I want to come down to Fort Quincy to experience that. Not when Toronto's there, but just a random game that really says a lot about the culture, the fan culture and the atmosphere that is being built up at Fort Quincy. And a lot of has to, you know, a lot of, uh, thank yous need to go out to the people that watched this show because you're a huge part of that. Um, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, it was it was great to meet him. Uh, he's he's such a servant of American mm-hmm. rugby. Mm-hmm. The the it's hard to explain how much work he does to people. I'm like, so he covers American rugby, but not like USA American, like North America <laughs> right. and South America. Yeah, two continents of rugby that he covers. And he's like the only guy who does it at that. I mean, Doug Coyle does work as well, but in terms That's of right. covering that much breadth, yes, right. He's the only person who's doing mm-hmm. that broad of coverage at that quality. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's Spanish language, South American, uh, you know, rugby news sources that I can't access because I can't read Spanish. Right. But in terms of like English content. He's, he is the king of both North and South American rugby. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's possible he's also a powerful sorcerer and was putting some sort of curse on the Free Jacks <laughs> during the game to try to help Dallas? I don't think so because he is truly like if he if he had a second team it would be the Free Jacks you know we've talked to him on this show he's our Dallas correspondent but I really think deep down in his heart he has a love for the Free Jacks that is that is not matched by any other team except for Toronto I, I really think he appreciates what we do down here um, as an organization uh, for the Free Jacks and I think he's just and he also has like an affinity for the Boston area every time I've had him on he's always gives a little fact about the Boston area so. So I think well, you there's said, something to that. You said he's from Nova Scotia. I didn't know that. But if he's from uh, Halifax, the Halifax area, there really is a strong historic Boston Halifax connection. As he has mentioned, I think he grew up in Toronto, but moved to Halifax for his career and has been there for quite a long time now at okay. this point. Yeah, they mm-hmm. had a there was one of the largest explosions in history occurred there. Yes. You're nodding. You know, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were it's a very isolated city. And um, the first relief that came was from Boston. And it was yep. days after the explosion and sorely needed at the time. So they mm-hmm. had, that's why Boston's Christmas tree comes from Nova Scotia every year. On and on and on. So I'm gonna. Yes. That's my angle. Whether it's true or not, I'm going. You know, Halifax, Boston. That's why he loves us so much. I I think that is also a part of it because he actually mentioned that story on this show previously. He, he, he talked about that. So I think there's definitely something there, and I think that he really, really is a Free Jack supporter, like a, a behind the scenes kind of, um, you know, in the in the shadows uh, supporter of mm-hmm. us. So that's really cool. All right, Dave, you want to get right into talking about the actual game in hand Let's do here? it. There was All also right. a rugby game that happened. There sure was, and it was a nail-biter at certain points. Uh, so no scoring in this one in the first 10 minutes. A booming tackle from Ben LaSaz, which drove the Dallas ball carrier back several meters, created a penalty due to Ben not being able to roll away. That is yeah. one of the rules that you have to do, one of the laws. Uh, Dallas got on the board first with a uh, with fly half Martin. Uh, Laisa, 
kick, uh, kicking into one of the uprights, uh, but the ball went through to make it three to zero. Eleven minutes gone. Jack's fly half. Jason Patras responded with a penalty kick of his own at seventeen minutes in, uh, making it a tied ball game, three to three. The Free Jacks scored their first and only try of the game at the 23-minute mark with a uh, attacking scrum where the ultimate warrior, the Namibian destroyer, Wien Conradi, who originally signed with Dallas in the COVID year where they decided to delay joining the league, picked up, uh, he did a pickup from the back of the scrum and rumbled over for the lone try of the match for both teams. Conversion by Patras was good, so that was 10-3, to Free Jacks in the lead. Would you have guessed it would be the last time the Free Jacks would score in this game, Dave? Do you think that was, you know? Uh, no, yep. no. <laughs> that was quite surprising. Um, yeah. I, Connor Keys almost scored in the first five minutes. He got mm-hmm. in and was on his way down. He, was, he got stripped. So there was that near try. Yes. For the closest other time they came to scoring, really. Yep. Um, and that means we didn't even have any almosts after that. Um, it was it was a really interesting game. Uh, defensive pressure from Dallas was pretty big. Forced a lot of errors. There were some mm-hmm. un- there were some unforced errors as well in there. Uh, but it was interesting. When one thing about that first half, I mean the whole game, but especially became really clear early in the first half was there would be a lot of kicking. Mm-hmm. in this game so it seems like both teams had a pretty similar game plan that was probably heavily informed by the weather when your hands are numb yep. and the ball is wet you probably don't want to run through a lot of phases especially right. on your half of the field so you boot it to the other half of the field and you say no you take it you know mm-hmm. and then they did the exact same thing back um there was a tremendous amount of kicking from both teams nine minutes in there was an eight kick ping pong battle yes where yes. it was literally each team kicked it four times so we just watched as there were eight kicks back and forth um that in the end almost turned into a try for dallas there were yes. a number of moments this was one big one another one came later um, when Reese McDonald was it Reese that saved the try right when there were like three jackals yes the ball down yes in the second half so those were two big moments where like Dallas Dallas could have walked away with his W for sure mm-hmm. um, and it was a lot of effort I mean in, in that first case there it was a mistake on their part you know they just knocked the ball on uh, and in the second one it was you know a lot of effort um, from Reese McDonald that kept it from happening um, <clears throat> it made it made the first half. Uh, really interesting. It certainly felt like a game that was about to crack open, and then the opposite happened. And yes, both teams just really locked it down in the second half, and uh, it it became a very different game than I think everyone expected. Certainly than the dice expected. Yeah, that's. I mean, we were about what fifty eight away from what the dice actually <laughs> yeah. thought was going to take I did place. Not there. Cover the spread. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's talk about a controversial call that happened before halftime. The Red Rocket, mm. Reese McDonald, uh, gets a slice of cheese taking out a Dallas player in the air. However, Reese was contesting the ball as well. What do you make of that yellow card, Dave? A lot of people in the stands not happy with that. Uh, they were not. There was a lot of booing. Uh, yes. It was the correct call. I think it was the right. I think it was a good card. Hmm. Um, 
the height matters a lot to me in interpreting like is this really two guys in the air trying to get the ball uh part of it's just timing like if the other guy jumps before you and his timing is right meaning he's higher than you and he mm -hmm. can catch the ball like he won he already won you don't get to hit him even if you uh -huh. want the ball like he's up above you you can't yes. hit him from below and be like right. well, i also wanted to catch the ball um it's it's a little bit akin to like a late hit on a kicker like you can kind of almost think of it that way it's like well it's not that you're not allowed to hit that guy it's you're not allowed to hit him then because he already did the thing you know great way to put the it. thing um so I, th I think it was fine if it had been a red you know i, I would have been real upset yeah because uh, it it but that really is just dictated by like where he how he fell so he fell on his side he was fine and they're like mm -hmm. okay that's that's a yellow card um because it was high danger but the outcome wasn't bad so it doesn't get escalated if the player had fallen on his head neck or shoulders then that's a red card and and we probably couldn't even complain about it it would have been a pretty soft red meaning mm -hmm. like a red that wasn't didn't come in a heated moment or like uh uh you know because we were doing real real high reward uh, uh high risk play just kind of a, a unnecessary challenge um as it stood it didn't end up being super impactful it's true. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, it was okay. But in, in terms of whether it was the right call, yeah, I think I think it's a fair. I think it's a fair yellow. It was it was one of those yellows that's like not really a big deal, but but is a yellow. Gotcha. Okay. Uh 41 minutes in uh before halftime. So this is, you know, during like the the red period if you're watching it on TV, the clock goes into the red uh phase there. Um Samisi tackles a Dallas player without the ball, which allows Dallas's uh Martin Elias, I believe Elias. is his last name. Martin Elias. Elias. Yeah. Elias. Elias. Okay. Uh to tack on another 3 points making it 10 to 6 at halftime. My guy Connor Keys was lucky to not get a card. In that same breakdown, if you watch the highlights of this game, where he stamped the Dallas's number nine with his boots from a grounded position, uh, Rick, our Dallas correspondent, was pretty fired up about that in the moment. Ooh, I didn't see it at I the didn't time. Either. I, I'm going to have to go, yeah, back, for go that. back and look at this. Uh, what were your, uh, you know, just to kind of mark on that a minute. Connor Keys is kind of an edgy player, and I didn't really realize it for a, uh, a while. But watching that, and also watching him kiss yeah. one of the Dallas players yeah. on the 30 forehead, minutes, thirty minutes in, there's like a little fracas. It's not really a big deal. There's nothing in it. Yeah. But one of the Dallas players really goes chest to chest with Keys and is doing yes. the thing that the short guy thing, where he's like, "I can't look up." Yes. Because then you're looking up, and you look like you're looking up, and you right. know you're already kind of not you can't look up and look tough at the same time so he's like his eyes are pointed real up but he's leaning <laughs> forward like he's trying to look through his eyebrows at connor keys just being yeah. real big mad and keys just smooches him right on the forehead and then crazy, gives him a little man. hair tussle um it was hilarious it was funny yeah. enough that um conrado rura the the seven like chuckles as he's pulling <laughs> the guy away from keys. He like so is kind of suppressing a little bit of laughter. It was very funny. And it was, uh, you know, it's, it's a good de-escalation. It is. It's like de-escalation judo in, in a sense. It's yeah. less like, oh, you're going to be mad. I'm just going to kiss you on the forehead. Watch right. this. Right. You know, so it's, it's pretty wild. But I yeah. don't think of you at all. Right? Exactly. You know, it's that. Exactly. It's like, yep. oh, buddy. Hilarious. You'll get Hilarious. over it. Um, what was your halftime? Th I mean, you've kind of provided some, but uh, you frustrated at all? 
with the, um, the half times four? You know, uh, this is when this is where I'm kind of a weird fan. I was just kind of pleasantly impressed by Dallas. I was really uh, very. Imp- they came to play. I think mm-hmm. around halftime, I was like, "This is this is a very good rugby game." I mean, I think yes. in the end, I think I had more fun. Maybe, man, maybe not than I would have had if they blew him out by 50 points, you know, like, yeah. Okay. It was riveting. Now, when we get to the second half, it didn't stay. I didn't, I didn't love every moment. We'll get there. <laughs> but like, in terms of how I felt at halftime, um, I was like, wow, this is, this is a really hot match. You know, yeah. and I also felt like it went really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like a fast match. Maybe it because did. With the weather, we didn't, we didn't get in that much earlier than, that much before kickoff, not as much as mm-hmm. we usually do. We kind of held hung back. Yeah. Um, so that's probably part of why it felt so fast for us. But like, I was like, wow, halftime already. Okay. Like, yeah, I feel the same way. Like I, I kept looking at the clock and like, wow, this is going really quick, you know? Uh, so I also felt that vibe for sure. Um, I will say that, you know, you're talking about stuff that in the moment I wish I would think about because otherwise I'm just frustrated. Like if this was, <laughs> New England playing New York or Atlanta or let's say San Diego or Seattle. And if it was a close game like that, it's a a defensive battle and, you know, we're making mistakes, but so are they. I'm not Mm -hmm. as frustrated, but when you play a team again, you know, they're better than their record shows. We've talked about this, but if you, if you're hanging in with a team that has never won a game and they're right there nipping at your heels. Yeah. You want to feel a level of frustration because you know your team, regardless of the you know rotation situation that was being played out before our eyes, is better than them. So that was what was going through my my mind, and it continued to escalate and simmer and then boil over in my own mind um, throughout the match. But let's get back to the second half here. New England's defensive eagerness got the best of us as the 50th minute mark, where an offsides penalty would allow. Dallas's fly half to kick another three points through the uprights, making it a nail biter score of 10 to nine with the Jacks holding on for dear life. And again, that was at the 50th minute guys still 30 minutes left in this game. Um, We happened. uh, What happened after that penalty kick was just bad rugby from both teams. In my opinion, New England looked promising on attack and then would shoot themselves in the foot and Dallas would do the same, but it was very encouraging from a Free Jacks perspective to see the defense being so stout at times yes. and not giving up a try. Uh, there were times in the second half where our driving mall looked really impressive, moving down the pitch almost effortlessly yeah. at certain times. 60 minutes in, we had about yep. a 30-meter mall. It was That's pretty right. wild. It and was then beautiful. McDonald immediately busted out a big, long run right after. Mm-hmm. It was a couple mm-hmm. really – that was when it was like, oh, I kind of for a minute – have to admit that I was like, okay, now we're going to kick their ass. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, okay, yes. it's the last 20 minutes, we're going to score a bunch, and that'll be that'll be all she wrote. And then that also did not happen. Unfortunately so, because, you know, I was talking to some people at the tailgate, and I talked to you before the game uh, inside Fort Quincy, and you we were talking about, we were agreeing that, you know, Dallas has a pretty good uh, pack, right? They're, they're yep. pretty decent in that area. But ultimately what I was telling people was like, in the second half, I expect us to run away with this because Dallas has a lack of depth, and we don't have that problem. We've got starters that, you know, are on the bench that would start in practically uh, any mm-hmm. other MLR team. So when those guys get on 
on the pitch, we should see a very, very big difference between the two teams on the pitch. And that didn't really materialize in terms yeah. of scoring. Um, so that right. was frustrating for sure. Well, I feel like we should summarize that situation real quick. The 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 rotations too. So yeah, we had our our usual bench second row um, of Foster Dewitt, Keanu Kuru, Sims, and Joel Hintz starting the game. Yes, in our normal starters uh, on the bench. So yes. Kyle Sakara, Andrew Quatran, and Cole Keith. Yes, um, we also had Kieran McClay in at nine, and yep. John Poland resting. Um, Josh Larson obviously was out, so same second row from the week before with Sinisi mm-hmm. and Connor Keys, but no Peretti, no Larson, so a couple mm-hmm. big names missing there. Leroux Milan still rehabbing, so that mm-hmm. wasn't a rotation, but he wasn't in. Um, and so we had, you know, a fair number of people who uh, Mitch Wilson, that's right, um, yep. got a, got a little bit of rest. Um, so there were a number of well-known and high-profile high-skill players who were not there at all and then we had also some people coming in off the bench who regularly would be starters so it was Mm -hmm. definitely a game where the coaches saw an opportunity to rotate some personnel yeah um and uh that's so that's just all we're talking about when we mention the you know personnel rotation Yes, excellent explanation there. I did want to mention Slade uh, McDowell is back with the team now. Um, so the cat's out of the bag on that one, guys. Uh, ultimately, he had suffered an injury in in uh, NP, uh, NPC, excuse me, down there in New Zealand, where they were thinking that he would be out longer than what he is actually, you know. So he's back now with the team. Um, is he's just not up to rugby fitness yet at this point because he's been injured pretty much this entire time since the NPC season. So right. hopefully we'll see him in back into the starting uh, lineup sometime soon for 2023. I'm sure they want to just take things at a you know in a controlled way. Um, yes, you know in his interest as much as anybody else's. I did see that um, John Payne. So, uh, I didn't. I didn't have to run as many stairs with the huzzas, <laughs> which is why yes. I felt so quick. Which is probably true. Could be, uh, yeah, for sure. Record low number of huzzas with only one all day. That's true. All right. Um, I can't stop. There we go. There we go. All right. <laughs> the uh, chat just cycles. Yeah, it just keeps going. Yeah. Um. So um. Let's get back to the little breakdown here. Yes. Uh, ta, 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 ta. So at this point, you know. Okay. All right. So we were talking about basically whenever the Free Jacks would get into the red zone, if you don't mind me using an American football term, they basically wouldn't be able to execute and score the try. They would cough it up or Dallas uh, would strip tackle and then, you know, knock ons. All of this stuff is Mm -hmm. taking place. Uh, what was your frustration level in the second half, Dave? Because you were mentioning, you know, in the first half, it was all fun and games. Like, hey, this is a close match. And, you know, mine was about a 10 out of 10 at this point. Uh, so I was very demonstrative in the fa- in the stands, yeah. not in a good way. I was holding my hands up like, what the – does anybody want to win this game? Like, you it was know, just so frustrating. It's so challenging to play in those sorts of conditions. I imagine for a number of players, uh, worst weather they've ever played in. Could be. Um, yeah. So th- the number of drops was not really frustrating. I do feel like we gave away a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. I was more frustrated with that because yeah. I think more than the knock-ons, we got a real good scrum. You know, like yeah. it doesn't mean we can knock the ball on freely, but if there's going to be a lot of knocks in a game and it's both sides, which it was, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm kind of okay with that. It's it's a long day at the office for the packs, but when we've got a really good pack and a really good you know, bench, 
um, that kind of plays into our hands a little bit, or at mm-hmm. least that's a game we're comfortable. That's a hand we're comfortable playing. Maybe yes. put it that way. Um, but the penalties were not as even. Uh, fifth, Thirteen penalties we conceded, only eight from uh, from Dallas, and hmm. I think that really uh, is is part of what kept it so close as a mm-hmm. ten to nine game. Um, we gave them a lot of opportunities. Obviously, they converted three of those penalties for points for their yes. nine points. All came from penalty conversions where they kicked through the uprights. So we we shot ourselves in the foot more with the penalty count than with uh, knock ons and drop balls. I think we got you're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna play to that edge. Both teams were still playing pretty aggressively with ball in hand when they weren't kicking it. Um, and that, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some drops in conditions like that. Uh, it was, I think Dallas dropped it more than, more than we did. They had, we had 15 scrums and at, at where we got the ball, you know, scrum set pieces, they had seven. So mm-hmm. I think in terms of handling ours was, uh, with only those few, you know, I got to work with the stats we got that would suggest that our handling was actually better than Dallas. And it was really the penalties where we gave away five more than they did that really, I think hurt us. Yeah. It's pretty lopsided right there, unfortunately. But um, I was going to say, you know, that's actually all that I wrote down in terms of the breakdown. I didn't really put a finish on here. So what happens towards the end of the game, there's a clear knock on from the sides that is not called. Dallas is marching down the field we're almost yeah. into the 80th minute, uh, and I'm thinking, Jesus, we've 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 fumbled this here, and they're mm-hmm. going to get their first win ever out of 21 attempts at Fort Quincy in this fortress that has been created by the Free Jacks in a situation where we talked about we wanted to avoid the upset. We didn't want to have Dallas' first win happen here, um, and I was just really, really frustrated, I, you know, Looking at the at the score and then looking at the time tick away, and I'm just like, man, this is not a good look. Because part of it is just like I talk a lot of shit online, guys. Like that's just <laughs> part of the branding of this show oh, is we yeah. we seem invincible online. You know, we 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 talk the team up so much. So it would have been really a mountain of shit that I would have to climb yeah. if if they lost this game. And I was thinking about a that. Big old crow for you to eat for sure. Um, so you know. You know what happens at the end, though. It comes down to a scrum um, that yep. the Free Jacks win. Seventy ninth minute. Seventy ninth minute. Free Jacks win the scrum. Amazing effort from the boys uh, to win that scrum. Right, right before this scrum. Yeah, because I agree. It felt like the game was Dallas's to win at that yes. point. They have a minute left. They have a phenomenal attacking platform right on the five meter line. Uh-huh. I turned to Becky and I said, "I don't like rugby anymore." <laughs> It was so tense in this moment. So, like, I wasn't, I don't get mad. I don't, I feel a lot of emotions, but, you know, especially sports stuff. I, when I was coaching, I would get mad occasionally. But mm-hmm. as a spectator, you know, I don't, I don't get mad. I just don't engage in the game that way. But mm-hmm. at that point, I was anxious. I, you know, I, I was not, yeah. uh, not feeling great. Just, you know, not in my stomach. And just like, oh, this could go so wrong right Yeah. There's so Mm -hmm. much potential for for Dallas to, you know, take the bull by the horns and create any score Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Right here. Any kind of score, a penalty wins the game. Yep. Wins the game. I mean, talk about pressure. It's one thing the announcers talked about throughout the game. If you rewatch the replay, the pressure was all on New England mm-hmm. in this game. No yeah. pressure on Dallas. Right. Nobody expects them to beat the best team in the East, uh, maybe except Rick. Um, <laughs> and you know, it put phenomenal pressure on New England to perform, and I. You know, I think we saw them step up to that, those phenomenal goal line defenses. It's not like they just had a terrible game and almost let Dallas win 36 to 35 or something. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. we made so many mistakes and how do we let Dallas rack up all those points? They only had mm-hmm. nine points. That's yeah. not that's not bad. Our defense was pretty good. We held them to single yeah. digits. It's just that the conditions made it so hard to get attack going. And then when we did, we gave up penalties and we just lost the field position that we had to work really hard to get because the Dallas kicking game is really good. Mm-hmm. So they can get out. They can escape. They, they were really good at, at putting us back on our side and saying, nope, you yeah. do something with it. Right. You know, which given the given the rain and the cold was really, really hard to do. Um, but the front row drove through Dallas, just mm-hmm. abs. I mean, not just the front row, the whole scrum. It's an eight man effort, but you know, I'm always going to give love to the front row. Sure. Um, yep. they drove through, they popped Dallas up and it was phenomenal. I have never been so excited for a scrum penalty. <laughs> when I saw the referee's arm go out for the advantage, I jumped out of my yep. seat. Yes. I was whooping. I was so happy. I'll tell you, man, like there was points in this game, like I felt like I was just going a little crazy because I was just yelling, I, you know, like not in a bad, like I hate this or right. whatever, just like, just like Wah! Lord of the Flies primal screaming. I was banging on my chest at certain points. And I didn't, I mean, I had like two ciders, but I wasn't blitzed or anything <laughs> like that. I, I think it was just the frustration and the weather and just, yeah. you know, possibly losing to this team that's never won a game that I just kind of, I was just uh, I, at one point, Wes came over and was like yeah. talking to me and stuff like that, you know, so. Yeah, it was just it was a wild experience. So glad that we dodged that bullet for sure. And that's that you know, pressure. For sure. Exactly. That's a great way to it was it felt like pressure. Yeah. Um what? Yeah. yeah. Expectations sure. were I mean you get no it's kind of like, you know, it's like fighting the smallest guy in class, right? Like mm-hmm. there's not a lot in it for you if you're the big guy. Yeah. Like for sure. You, you beat up on them and you're a bully. You lose to them and you got your ass kicked by the smallest guy. <laughs> There's no upside. There's zero upside. For sure. I mean, for we sure. talked about this last week in the preview, this being a trap game where it's yeah. like, dear God, I'd be losing my mind because the expectation is that you crush them. And anything less than that, you're already going to have people saying, oh, should we, shouldn't we have beat them by more? And then, then at 79 minutes when you're like, we might lose. We might beat them by nothing. Yeah. They're going to yep. beat us. Bozo um, posed a great question to the Outriders chat where he said, what is a worse loss, losing to Dallas as their first win ever after they lost twenty, uh, lost 21 in a row, or at Fort Quincy as well, or losing to New York in the Eastern Conference Finals at home? Yeah. And you specifically said, I don't think I answered him, but I, I – really didn't know have an answer you know the the rivalry aspect of this is the new york one hurts more because it's the playoffs Mm -hmm. but you had said dallas because then you live on forever as the team that lost to the worst team in the league yeah and didn't suck 
Yeah, right. Like the team that was re- that was the top on the top of yeah. the standings in the East, right. and then lost to them. Yeah. You know, that's that's Slipped the on sort the of thing field. that yeah. twenty years from now mm-hmm. is a trivia fact. Yes, you know, yeah. like oh, look, nobody's going to care that New England <laughs> lost to New York in the Eastern Conference Final. I said right. like, there's no shame in a playoff loss. Right, that's like, what you, you make. Yep. You make it there. You compete. You know, mm-hmm. like you. That's what we. That's what we say. You know, get to the playoffs and see what happens. Exactly. Well, that's the see what happens part. You know, yeah. like, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> yeah. We didn't. We didn't win, and you got to move on. Um, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, I think losing to Dallas would have been far more devastating, more psychic damage, emotional damage, as the kids now say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. There were a couple yeah. other moments I wanted to call out. Just good Go heads ahead. up yeah. play. Um, in one case, 71 minutes, Cole Keith correctly called a ball out situation where the ball in a ruck rolled past the back foot of the supporting player. Mm. So once it's that it's out, the stupid question everybody asks every. Oh, yeah. At the beginning is it? Of the game, yeah. When is, is the it, ball out, sir? It's like, I don't yeah. know. Have you played this sport before? You <laughs> are expected to know that. Um, but it was one of those things where Dallas just the the rucking player moved f- too far forward. He moved his feet too far as the ball was still kind of moving back. And if he moves beyond the ball, it's no longer a ruck. You can't turn it back into a ruck. So what happened is Cole Keith was like, that's out. He literally is asking the ref, that's out, right, sir? Because mm-hmm. he jumped off sides and then stopped. Yep. And he was like, but isn't that ball out? And the ref said, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Which meant he wasn't offsides. He was there's no offsides line anymore because the ruck had ended. Right. Then a Dallas player stepped in and stepped over the ball. Well, it doesn't matter. You can't recreate a ruck. Yeah. You can't make a new ruck because oops, we let the ball out of the last one. Hold on, we want to we want to do over. Right. So a Dallas player like steps over the ball. They were trying to like box. I think they were maybe going to box kick. It was that kind of a situation. Where it was a slow ruck, right. right? Where you're just kind of waiting for the ball to come out. And he's like, that that's out though. So the guy steps over the ball. Cole Keith goes in and just kind of shoulders him out of the way, picks up the ball and runs. And Dallas is, you know, left going, hey, <laughs> as he just takes off down the field. It was really good. Um, it was really good. Just heads up play from him, knowing the laws, being mm-hmm. able to correctly identify that a ball is out. Uh, Evan Etzebeth did something like this recently, like a month or month or two ago, I think, in a URC match somewhere where it was a caterpillar ruck and somebody wasn't bound with their whole arm they just oh, had like an arm okay. they just were grabbing a guy's jersey in front of him with their arm mm-hmm. and that's about this like he's not in the ruck that ball is out i'm gonna go take it and the ref's like yep yeah we're allowed that is correct right. and you are allowed to do that because to, to to be part of the ruck you have to bind with your full arm so not just your hand grabbing somebody's jersey that doesn't count your arm has to be in contact with the player from the hand all the way up to the shoulder. Um, that's what a bind is in rugby. To be bound okay. means to be in contact with somebody from hand to shoulder. Um, and so similar heads up play. So basically, Cole Keith is as good at rugby as Evan Etzebeth. It's, it's uh, science. It's science. Know? Yeah, you can't argue with it. Um, <laughs> different positions, but they're both forwards, type five guys. There's camaraderie there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 72nd minute. One of the guys on Dallas slowed down Holden Youngert's ball. And when when I started playing rugby, the number one, and this is the same era as you, the first thing you learn about the breakdown is do not land on the wrong side of the ruck or you will get spiked yes. until you get out of the way. That was yes. common practice at that time. That was how yep. you – that was how – not rolling away was called in that day. It, the players managed it with the metal on their feet. 
That's right. Um, the other thing you learn is that if you interfere with the ball at the ruck when the scrummy is trying to play it, you do so at your own That's peril. Right. That guy right. might shank you. Yeah. The scrum has feel a tremendous amount of ownership over the ball at the breakdown because that is their whole job. I mean, they feel it rightfully so. And when you slow the ball down, you not only are you making it hard for them to do their job, like you're making them look bad at their job. And one of the guys from Dallas went off his feet. Like he went for the poach and then he lost his feet and he just kept his hand on the ball. Mm -hmm. So he was trapping it against the free Jacks player. Uh, I mean, could have, it, it was a penalty that got missed, which is like no big deal. You know, there's yeah. a bunch of these every rugby match. It, it didn't really elevate to a significant level. Um, except what younger, I mean, he did the right thing. He stopped trying to play the ball. He saw that like the ref wasn't calling the guy for, for playing it. He let go of the ball and he just cleaned the guy out. He just <laughs> rucked through. It was beautiful to see. I love a nine who's not afraid to just yeah. lay the hickory on somebody and just clean them out of the ruck. And that's exactly what he did. The ball became available. Somebody else played it, you know, past the ball. Um, it was good. It was good play by Holden to solve a problem. Somebody was literally like cheating again, not in like a not a big deal way, a common mm -hmm. way, but he solved that problem. He was like, yep, you're going to do that. I'm going to take you out. And then he went after the guy. He was angry, shoving him into the ground. They had a little roll around. The guy gets up and like appeals to the touch judge and it's like, you're right there. Like, isn't that didn't. And the touch judge is like, no, nah, like, you know, it is, it's, he's you cheated and he was real big mad at you about it. And he didn't, he didn't punch him or anything. As far as I could see, he just like grabbing the guy and literally like shaking him, like believe, like I imagine easily what he was saying in that moment and it was probably some very polite but firm language around leaving the ball alone mm -hmm. uh, so those are a couple fun high energy moments in that second half um, oh and, and Andrew Quatrin got held up once as well I gotta include that I think earlier I said only Connor Keys getting held up was the only other near try and uh, I think Connor would make fun of Quat for being left out if I didn't mention it, so Andrew Quachin also got held up at one point, almost scored. So there were so two that is, near tries. That is five uh, held up situations in the past two games. That yeah. I mean, I you know that's not something that you can easily correct. I guess you could practice that in practice, actually trying to put the ball down. But I don't know if it's worth the 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 bandwidth as as the Free Jacks like to to you know use that term. Right. But it's it's something that is slightly concerning you know when you score only 10 points against a team that's never won a game you know there's some question marks that arise and then when you look at five held up situations in the past two games it's not a great stat for sure uh but i did want to move into musket size pants in if you don't mind yeah absolutely. uh what i have here is connor robinson the reserve hooker from Dallas, a Wilmington Mass native, 5'10", 235 pounds. He was traded to Dallas last year from the Jacks. He attended St. John's Prep and Boston College. He has played with Mystic River since 2015. This is a kid that I would love to see back with the Free Jacks. He's only 23 years old, so certainly will be improving his skills as a player. The Jacks, and this is just my personal opinion. This isn't the opinion of the show or anything like that. The Jacks need to find room on the depth chart for a local guy like this going forward. This isn't some bum off the street 
that you know uh, we're running out just because he's a mass native. This is a guy that can play at the MR, MLR level at a position um, that the Free Jacks should have room on the roster for. And I understand you want to have all these guys from NPC and all the you know a, a room full of excellent hookers that could start on every single roster, but. If we're going to move this American rugby thing forward, you need to have American rugby players as at least your backups. And we've, of course, we have those in certain positions. We have, uh, you know, we have starters that are American rugby players. But for this guy to be playing for another team, it just, it, for some reason, it doesn't really sit very well with me. Um, and I understand that the Free Jacks have talked about, well, we have all of these foreign roster spots, but we want to move for towards a more domestic. That is the future of the league is more domestic players. But uh, I really hope that Connor Robinson finds his way back on the Free Jack squad at some point. Yeah, I have to imagine he's enjoying it down in Dallas and that that's part of the reason he's there now. You know, you can uh, only enjoy never winning so much like I get that. <laughs> Right. But, uh, not never, ever. Almost. I mean, he probably would have felt pretty good if he won uh, back here in Massachusetts. Um, but I we know from things like the Quentin Newcomer trade um, mm-hmm. that when guys express a desire to be closer to home uh, or to play for kind of their hometown team, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a pretty common theme in MLR for players to – move to where they're from. Think of Mikey Teo going back to San Diego where he's yep. from. Um so I mean I would I would not be surprised if down the road a little bit Connor Robinson ends up back in New England, moving back to where, you know, he, he came from, where his roots are. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I, 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 I agree. I think we've seen in Cam how the hometown hero storyline is so important for getting fans engaged mm-hmm. and interested. Um you know the the rugby that they're playing is phenomenal, but uh, it's having a local farmer play that is getting a dedicated bus in Haverhill filled up every yep. every week yep. to come down where they get they hit they got to have a sign up because they were overfilling the bus and it was you know getting a little too crazy on the way down so now they got to limit it. Uh, that kind of popularity comes from being able to keep those local guys local. So. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, we've set up this pathway, and this is a good example of a guy that, you know, was on the Indies and, you know, went through, has come up through the pathway, you know, was Mystic and Boston College, all this other stuff. You know, do you want a roster full of those guys and lose every single game? No. I, you know, let's be real. Like, winning is fun. So I want to mm-hmm. see the Free Jacks win more so than have these, uh, you know, 20 local guys or whatever. Right. But I well, think you – yeah, go ahead. The the other thing is, like, we have that team of 20 local guys. They're na- they're called Mystic. They play yeah. pretty good rugby. <laughs> right. I don't find it as entertaining as the Free Jacks, which is yes. not a controversial statement because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the facilities, the uh, amount of investment mm-hmm. and time and coaching and all that – is on his high. I mean, and the guys down there are, are great. You know, Bub Bub's is great. Yes. Um, it's not a it's not a quality thing. It's just like that. That's already there, and Major League Rugby is another step up. So it's bridging Correct. that gap. I mean, we've yes. talked about this a lot on the show. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know what? It, it I would say encourage people to also go support Mystic and support other a, local rugby. A thousand clubs. percent. Yeah. You know, it's yes and. Uh, for me and um 
you know, we always have to mention too that he ended up down there in Dallas when they had a really That's rough right. season. They had a it sounds like something out of like Zoolander. They had like a tragic nightclub accident where a bunch <laughs> of players were on a walkway that collapsed and got yeah. injured. Uh, I mean, it was it was you know, it was a, a nightmare down terrible. there. Last so we should also them, rem- yeah. remember that like he he went down in part to help bail them out, and that's part sure. of what I mean by like he must be enjoying. Like I imagine it's a good environment, and he feels like he's learning and developing. I mean, he's being coached by Mario Ledesma, Argentinian mm-hmm. legendary hooker. So, I mean, that that's probably in that equation, too. It's like, yeah. I'd, I'd hang out, even if we weren't winning, I'd hang out in Dallas for another year if I was going to get some coaching from, like, sure, a legendary yeah. guy in my position. It's a good point. It's so. a very good point. Uh, let's move over to MVP. I think I know what direction you're going to go in, so I'm going to allow you to go first. <laughs> um, for me, there's only the one answer. I actually liked the way a number of people played. Cole Keith, I, I really thought about almost just for that heads-up play. That mm-hmm. scrum penalty at the end, I very nearly went with it, but uh, I had to go with Vian Conradi. He yeah. scored the only try of the day. Um, he saved us from the darkest timeline, a huzzah-less day yep. at the fort. And we only got mm-hmm. one huzzah. It was all thanks to him. Um you know, it, I think that he had a great game. He was second in tackles. Uh, shout out to Joe Johnston, who also had a great match. He's another guy who I thought about giving it to. Mitch Jacobson, they had 16, 14, and 13 tackles. So Joe had 16, Fian had 14, Mitch had 13. That's exactly what you want from your back row, just making tackles all day. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian Big Boyson on Dallas had 22. He, he put in a, a big day. That's a big shift. It's a lot. Um, 22 tackles against a lot of like physical carrying. Um Vian Conradi was second in meters run with 77. Uh, Balacano was up there, 70 meters. Patros had 95. He actually ran the ball a fair amount um, when they were like not good kicking options a few times. I liked seeing that. He's, he's very good with ball in hand. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Vian was first in carries. So, yeah, he, he continues to top or be in the top two across really important stats. Meters gained, carries tackles he Mm -hmm. is an absolute workhorse and uh in part i think i have a habit of taking those guys for granted and just being like i think v obviously v and conradi had a great game but i want to give it to this (laughs) other guy and today i thought this was a match to just you know definitely give it to v and conradi he he continually puts in performances like this and on a grim day like this uh he elevated it and kept us in the black I agree. I mean, I knew that you were going to go that route, so I wanted to steer clear of it. And um, for me, let me see here. Uh, For me, I think I want to highlight the local boy who just was on the show in this last in this episode. Actually, Uh, Cam Davidowitz came off the bench and had a try saving tackle and also caught the line out at the death, which allowed New England to end the game without Dallas breaking our hearts. The TGRS bump is real, folks. <laughs> if you come on the show, your next performance on the pitch will be even better in the next game. So I'm going to give it to Cam. You know, not a lot of, um, as you were saying, like, you know, Vian Conradi obviously is the MVP in terms of only person that scored the try. There's a couple other guys you could probably shout out, like uh, Jason Patras, but I wanted to give it to Cam because he had really, really two important um, factors that helped us win that game. So uh, Cam is my MVP for this week. 
Nice. All right. Uh, any closing thoughts? Yep. Cole was my almost MVP last week in New York, mm-hmm. and you could make an argument for him, um, which I did, I guess. It's kind of repeating myself. <laughs> and then uh, my almost MVP this week. So feels like it's a matter of time for Cole. Keith. Just a matter of time. He's, He's at 51 in... caps in yeah. MLR, and you, you know, a very experienced player. We kind of take you for granted, you know, Canadian international, very, very good at his job. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe next week we should uh, maybe uh, hopefully get him on the uh, MVP. We'll see. We'll see. And with that being said, I've got one word for everybody out there in three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I am joined with Diamond Dave, and we're never getting rid of that intro. Just wanted to give a Dallin Stanford a shout out. He will always be the voice of the New England Free Jacks in my mind, and I'm sure Dave as well, right? Absolutely, we love, love you, that Dal. guy. Love him so much. Yep. Um, let's get right into uh, the Free Jacks are playing a game this weekend on Friday, yeah. uh, a short week. They are flying all the way across the country to Utah outside of Salt Lake City. Uh, beautiful views, apparently, there. Great stadium atmosphere, apparently, there. The Free Jacks are basically going to have to climb a very steep mountain here, Dave, and get a yeah. win in utah this weekend so let me surprise i didn't do this a moment ago i should have pulled up my uh, preview for this game let me grab that right now there it is okay so utah in the standings right now find themselves middle of the road currently in the western conference um, they have played five games three wins two losses with a point differential of just one uh they have to- uh, 14 total table points only Bozo's world beaters, the Chicago Hounds and the league's punching bag, Dallas Jackals, are below them. Point, and I almost knocked my mic over. Uh, can you still? Up, oh, hang on. Yeah, yeah, slightly trash canned, but we can hear you. You're there. Okay, give me one second here. Yeah, no problem at all. It is, uh, yeah, interesting where they are on the table. I like, I enjoy that Chicago remain Bozo's world beaters. <laughs> Um, it's not too late yet. They're only one and four. They could go on a long winning streak and make that Western Conference real interesting, but we'll see if it happens. Things are just falling over now, Dave. It's it's a real mess yeah, here. Let me chaos. see. It's cats and dogs living together. That's insane. Okay. Um, let me make sure that my correct mic is coming through here. Yeah, yes, it appears to be. All right, I great. Think I think you're good. So, as I was saying, you know, ultimately Dallas, or excuse me, Utah is middle of the road right now in the Western Conference. Um, in our way too early predictions for the Western Conference, I believe I had Utah in fifth place, just above the lowly Dallas Jackals. However, I also did predict that the Free Jacks would lose this game against Utah on the road in our way too early win-loss prediction for the Jacks. What does that mean? I don't really know. I think it, Utah hasn't been truly right since the 2021 season where they looked like world beaters. They had Mikey Tao was the MVP of the league. Um, they let their best player, a legendary player like Mikey Tao, walk out the door. He's back in San Diego now. What do you make of this Utah team, Dave? Yeah, they're, um, they're a really interesting team. Uh, they have a very gifted back line. Um, they are a team that will capitalize on line breaks they make a mm-hmm. lot of they can make good offloads but they're also really good just hands out wide like fast hands to the edge and then they have some really good wings who will really challenge you defensively um 
it makes them it makes them a tough tough team a tough backline to play so just think yes. about their backs you know uh they have some really good players joe mono who had a hat trick against toronto last week three mm. tries pretty wild uh mika cruze who we are used to seeing yep. link up with uh mikey teo in previous years he's not he's certainly not feeling any hurt from teo being out he is mm -hmm. on a tear this season as expected caleb mckinney is another one who is real explosive you just hear that name a lot their 10 joel hodgson is a very lively 10 he's a little we might be having bodine waka flashbacks in terms of oh. his readiness to um to read the defense mm -hmm. and run the ball if that's what's on yeah um he will he will keep it but he can also kick he kicked for 500 meters against toronto he's got a, he's got a cannon of a boot um he's explosive with the ball he's one of the better tens in the league i think and it's not like it's a one-man show he's got a lot of tools to work with there um particularly again in that like back three their their wings and fullback will really hurt you and those are the guys who are going to finish it on those line breaks so oh and by the way they have paul lasique right yeah uh, you incredible. may have heard of this guy they yeah. brought him in off the bench against toronto and oh my <laughs> god it should be the try of the week yeah um it was somebody i can't remember who had the first carry but they just they just absolutely i think it might have been lance williams their flanker oh. had the first carry i think he was out on the edge in a you know as a as a forward supporting the wing but he runs a guy over, just mm -hmm. threw him, just straight up, boom, here comes the train, not even pretending he's going to go around. And then he gets the offload to Lasique, who just comes in and, like, two guys flapping, like, laundry in the breeze off Lasique as he gets in <laughs> and, and scores. They are brutal. And that's just their back line. They've also yeah. got a very good pack. They got Eagles. You form uh, – at this point, probably former USA Eagles Paul Mullen yep. and Angus McClellan, uh, one of the most capped players in MLR, really solid up there in the front row. Um, they are a significant challenge in the set piece too. Scrums and malls, um, they're no joke. They've got a just a really rock solid scrum. I don't, I could be wrong, but I don't foresee us pulling a lot of scrum penalties off them like we have some other teams that we played where we've been able mm -hmm. to be like, yeah, we're just going to drive you into the dirt, you know, like and use yeah. that as a penalty factory they also have olive khalifi as well uh yeah. i believe u.s former usa eagles as well on the on the squad there yeah they are they're just they're in really good shape they're a good team they do all the different stuff well the story with toronto or sorry with uh utah for years has been that all the pieces are there it's just not mm -hmm. coming together mm -hmm. finding ways to lose games and all that yep. this is a this is a dangerous team and they they seem you know, they're three and two. I mean, they're a little bit better than kind of their position in the standings at fourth shows, I think. Um, but I think it's going to be a real, I think it's going to be a tough match out there in Utah. It's going to be a battle. I agree, man. Uh, ultimately, you know, you name off all of these players that some of them are really superstars in this league um, and other ones are very, very experienced, you know, capped USA capped internationals um, that they're, they're they these guys can burn you for sure. But to me, like I think the Free Jacks have a better overall roster. 
Here's the big question mark in my mind, though. It's going to be a short week turnaround for the Jacks since this game is on Friday. We just played on Saturday, right? Uh, Normally we'd play on a Saturday or Sunday, but it's a Friday game. It's it's almost a six-hour flight just to get to uh, Salt Lake City from Boston. You're crossing two time zones. The atmosphere there is pretty dang good. Everybody talks about Seattle's being fan atmosphere very good. Everybody talks about Fort Quincy being very, very good and intimidating. But – Utah is pretty damn good as well. They they get you know they get loud there. They pack them in that uh, that uh, I think it's like a minor league soccer stadium, and it's really beautiful out there. But yeah, um, Zion's Bank Stadium, exactly. They have some pretty good play, players, as I was saying. But oh, by the way, they're at four thousand two hundred and twenty six feet above sea level, which is very high, yeah. David. Very high. Yeah. Um. So that's another factor, and and we were talking about this off air. air. I wanted to mention that Toronto was in that game last week um, uh, against Utah in the 60th minute. It was a close game. There was nobody pulling away. And then all of a sudden, Utah pours 39 points and just bounces Toronto out of the stadium. Yeah. So for me, that's just talking about, you know, uh, the atmosphere, literally the where you are, the altitude, <laughs> right. the at, yeah. the literal atmosphere, the atmosphere that the air is thin up there. So eventually yeah. you're going to be you know blowing air, and it really comes down to those last twenty minutes. Can the Free Jacks, if it's a close game, can they close it out mm-hmm. with, with all of those elements affecting them? And by the way, it's a pretty good team uh, as we've been talking about here. So I wanted to move into key to the game. What I have on my key to the game here, acclimate to intimidate. Okay. If it was me and I owned the Free Jacks and I had Gilly money back in the good days before the the stock tanked, I would have the team, you know, fly out there like yesterday and just spend the entire week practicing there and, you know, keeping 35 guys, you know, including the staff in a hotel for that amount of time. Obviously, though, that's not a realistic proposition. So if they can get there two days earlier, that would be fantastic because you need to get there. You need to rest. You need to hydrate. You got to go through all of the acclimation process to be at that high above sea level. Um, So if you can stay in this game, Utah, I'm sure, has become used to teams, you know, blowing air in the 60th minute and be like, whoo, hands on hips, that type of thing, because it's, yeah. it's, it's such a high altitude. If you can get out there and really be in excellent physical condition and not let that affect you as much, you might be able to get inside of their heads a little bit. This is a team that, like I said, scored 39 effing points on Toronto uh, and just blew them out of the water in the last quarter of the game. So that's, that's my key to the game there. What do you got? Nice. Um, mine is a little bit Madden-esque. It's score more points. Uh, I think they're going to score. They're a really good offensive team. Um, I mean, they're not the highest scoring team in the league or anything like that. It's just I can't see them not putting out a pretty good offensive performance at home. Mm-hmm. They're going to be really tough to shut down. That means our offense is really going to fire or going to need to fire in order for us to beat them. So I think that while it's an important game defensively and we've got to be able to front up those first man tackles are going to be particularly important. The first Mm -hmm. guy making the hit, finishing a tackle to prevent, you know, weird offload stuff or gain line breaks and broken play. Um, But even more important, I think it's going to be our offense scoring points. We got to get down there and we got to, we got to punch it in and score some tries to beat to beat this Utah team. 
I I agree with what you're saying. I'm a little concerned though because again, this is a Freedax team just came off of a home win against the Dallas Jackals by only scoring 10 points. So I really hope that they can get it together. Obviously, conditions or elements played a factor in you know not having a high scoring game at Fort Quincy, but uh, you're kind of asking a lot to to score uh, a bunch of points and try to keep up with Utah. We'll have to see how it shakes out. I wanted to move over two predictions real quick here, and I will let you go first. Yeah, my, I'm gonna bust out the dice who betrayed me majorly last week, but Big I, time. you know, yeah. I'm holding the faith, and we're gonna see a 23. Okay. Two. 24. Ooh. Another one margin, one point margin, perhaps. Uh, 23 to 24 with Free Jacks coming up on top. We'll see what happens. I love the score line. I will say that mine is also a one point win Ooh. for the New England Free Jacks. Let me tell you what I got. I've got Utah 17, New England 18. Um, for some reason, I'm kind of stuck on these kind of low-scoring affairs here. Yeah. And uh, again, this is a game that I predicted in our way-too-early win-loss predictions that the Free Jacks would lose this game away to Utah, but we don't pick against our team here in this segment. So I'm saying, just like I said when we played uh, San Diego, I picked them to lose in the in the offseason. There are way-too-early predictions. I'm giving them a one-point uh, win right here, but I would not be surprised if we come up short – against this utah team out there in utah yeah it, it is for the reasons you mentioned it's a tough it's a tough game travel altitude short week uh i imagine that played into the decision to rest some of the guys that rested against dallas that's right, right. you we yep. get it's a short turnaround but we have john poland with a week of rest we have mm -hmm. mitch wilson know, yep. uh, mitch wilson with a week of rest um no clue it, i i Josh Larson's a big question mark. Nobody has any information. The only thing we've heard is that we're waiting on scans. Mm -hmm. um, he said on the broadcast, hopefully I'll get back out on the field this year. Um, that just sounds very open-ended. So mm. I would not, I'm not expecting Josh Larson to make a return this week or anytime super soon. Um, Here's something that, that said, I don't know. Yeah. Let's talk about Jesse Peretti for a moment. This is not something that we covered because we didn't see the team sheet the last time that we had we talked about this, but Jesse Peretti was suspended for one game by MLR. He was not on the 23 at all last week against Dallas. Maybe that's just an internal additional suspension that we're just not aware of, mm -hmm. but he was because he was not on the injured sheet at all. So hopefully he makes an appearance in this game in the 23. Um yeah, not sure what happened there, but uh, that's somebody that you could definitely use in this game for sure. Um, but and yeah. maybe we see uh, Slade uh, McDowell as well for the first yeah. time. Yeah, the the physicality would certainly be useful. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not that not that the other guys are are a pushover or anything. But right. Those are two players who are known for the physical edge that they bring. Uh, you know, into every contact situation guys who are high on the list of people you don't want to be tackled by, right? Like you don't want to be tackled by any of them, but if right. you had to make a list, they would be near the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it would be a good, it would be a good match for some of those big hitters to definitely come out. If Slade is healthy, you know, keep in mind last season he scored eight tries, guys. He's not a yes. just a defensive tackle machine. This guy can yes. score tries. Yeah, he runs um, the ball very well. Yes. 
Um, we saw a little piece of that. Mitch Jacobson had a run at mm-hmm. one point in the Dallas game that reminded me of a little bit of Slade last season. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there's just three guys grabbing him, and it doesn't matter. His right. legs are moving, so he's going forward. He's going, that's, yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it would be good would be good to to get that we're gonna need as i said in my key like i think we're gonna need to get that offense going yeah you gotta have all hands on deck on this one you can't rest anybody when you go out to utah for sure so um any closing thoughts on this game uh i'd like to go out there sometime the stadium looks gorgeous speaking of which uh good best of luck to our good friends over there at mystic rugby who are going to be the curtain raiser in that game yeah, they're playing Congratulations. the Utah Academy team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Buzzy keeps asking me if I want to go, and I'm like, yeah, I want to go, but I can't take the time off work, pal. I don't know what to tell you, you know? Yeah. Uh, yep. So. Yeah, time, airline tickets. It's a lot. There's a lot. It's a lot. In, it's a lot. I'm going to there. Seattle, you know? So yep. that that's my one big trip this season. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to this one. Uh, by the way. Uh, you know, we we it's kind of a cursed situation, but uh, Bozo and I are supposed to be doing the watch along <laughs> this weekend. You know, we were previously going to be doing it at for the New York game, but uh, it is on the schedule that we will be uh, going live for the watch along at 9.30 p.m. on Friday night to watch this game in the background. You know, we'll have a couple beers. We're going to be at the new Granite Outpost here in Manchester, so should be a good time. So if you guys you know, aren't going to a watch along party or, you know, want to just see, you know, get some different takes in terms of commentary, tune on uh, the Jack's Rangers show as we go live here and do a little watch along. So uh, Dave, will you be available at all for that? Uh, Possibly. I have some plans this weekend generally that might have to change a little bit so i'm not sure if i can i will jump on and that'd be we'll great be, uh, yeah. and we'll be part of it at least get in for some yucks there you go that'll be a blast okay and with that being said i think i've just got one word left and that's three two one huzzah all right rangers tell us how we did send us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com continue to interact with us on social media every time that we make a post on there please like and comment we appreciate all of the rangers that do that so much that helps our social media engagement grow really enjoyed talking to cam davidowitz what a guy what a player for the free jacks and that tjrs bump is absolutely the case you come on the show, you perform really well on the pitch. That's just how it goes. That's science, guys. I, I'm not making this up. Really looking forward to seeing everybody back at Fort Quincy after this Utah away game when we play the lowly Chicago Hounds. By the way, uh, breaking news, our good friend Broccoli Guy, normally at all of the Seattle games, will be at Fort Quincy making an appearance a cross-country trek to come out and support his favorite Eastern Conference team, the New England Free Jacks. So if you see Broccoli Guy in the stands, make sure you give him a loud huzzah and tell him that we sent you. All right, before we ride off into the sunset, I've only got a couple of words for you here. Saddle up, let's ride, beat Utah, and huzzah, baby. Woo!